All right, welcome back to Screw the Hustle Summit 2019. And today, all the way from down under, we have Joe Burgess. And man, she is a very interesting entrepreneur. You're gonna love this session. I cannot wait to start talking to her because she's really got her life sorted. And I know she's got some great tips to help you as well. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Larissa. Glad to be here. Now, I love what you have created and your journey because uh, it's been quite a while. Can, can you walk us through like how long you've actually been working as an entrepreneur? I've basically been an entrepreneur since I was 16. I first off started as a hairdresser. That was my um, career in the very early days. And I found myself as a business owner at the age of 20. So I had my first salon. And I was really lucky enough to get involved in the development of a piece of software for the hair and beauty industry. And that was 25 years ago. So I quit that I had two salons at that point in my early 20s and I sold those salons and, you know, became walked into the software game with a couple of really cool entrepreneurial cutting-edge developers and we created software for the hairdressing industry which is now sold across 45 countries and we have 14,000 salons using our software which is amazing. So that's how it really all started and then... Um, when I had my children, I decided that I didn't want to work full time. So up until that point, I was probably doing the hustle. You know, I was young, I was in my early 20s, I was doing the hustle, loved it, created a product that solved a problem for salons, which was amazing. But then I had a family and that was my number one priority. So I dropped back to two or three days a week and I've never really ever worked more than two or three days a week since that point because I just loved the feeling that I got about spending more time on the stuff that I loved, which was my family and my personal growth than the business. Um, so yeah, so I've been basically doing that for many, many years. And then about four years ago, when my life got like next level um, crazy busy with the family. So kids in primary school and high school, millions of activities. I was traveling a little bit for my job, even though it was part-time, I was traveling because I was the face of the company and a lot of PR, doing a lot of PR. And I was struggling to keep on top of all the things and managing the family. So I went looking for a solution as you do, and I couldn't find one. So the idea just burned away and burned away for a couple of years until the point where I decided I really needed to create it. I wanted to create it. It, was, it would bring me joy to create it because I knew that I could solve a problem for me. And if I had that problem, so do thousands of other mothers or millions of other mothers in the world that are trying <clears throat> excuse me, to juggle family and business or work. So that's when I started to create Life Sorted. So, yeah. So that's a short version. <laughs> well, no, but it's, it's fascinating. I, I love the fact that, you know, because uh, face it, women in software, uh -huh. it's, that's, there's not a lot of, of, of us in no. software usually. I, you know, especially me coming from hairdressing, which is such a hands-on creative job to sitting in an office looking at a computer screen all day after never learning that at school. Like, you know, this is 25 years ago. So, I had never done computers even at school. And I was like, how did I end up, <laughs> you know? And 
but it was fascinating and it was a really, it took me a good few years to transition from such a physical creative job to more of a digital creative, you know, role and designing software and working with developers to bring something that is imaginary to life. Yeah, pretty cool. And how, I mean, going from working, like doing the hustle, as we were, mm -hmm. you were saying, to contracting that down and say, okay, I'm only going to work two or three days a week because I have a family. How were you able to do so? Like, I learned and, and actually focused on compartmentalizing and being in the moment. I really focused on not mixing things. So if I was sitting at the dinner table with my family, I was 100% there. And then if I was at work and I was teaching salons how to, you know, run their business, I was 100% there. I never mixed the two things. And I think, you know, when I left work, there's that transition as you drive home where you, you know, decompress all of that. I walked in the door and I never brought it in and vice versa. So that's what worked for me. And I still practice that today. It's, it's not easy, but I practice, you know, I'm here talking to you. I'm not doing anything else. I'm giving this 100% of my commitment and then whatever comes next. Fantastic. No, I think that's a really important um, point to bring up because I feel like so many people, you know, they're you're talking they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, they're multitasking. But the, this research shows that when we, we start switching those between jobs, we're actually losing 20% of our productivity and our, and our efficiency. So we're not doing ourselves any favors by no. multitasking. A hundred percent. We are far, far less productive. I couldn't agree with you more. I really try and not even take phones into meetings. And, you know, I have everything on silent apart from notifications around events and various, you know, a couple of things. I'm very specific with what I allow my phone to interrupt me with. I think that's a really good habit to get into. Yeah. Yeah. It's not well, easy. <laughs> it's, I know it's, it's, it's easy for people to be like, Oh no, it's going to take this call. But I think it also, um, it's like just that basic. So what I'm looking for, um, the manners, it's just, that's I feel like there's, we're losing some of that civility. Yeah, people are not looking you, you know, in the eye. They're half listening to what you're saying, half looking at the phone. It is awful. Even when, even when a phone is on a table and it's turned down, it's there. You sense that it's there, whether it's yours or somebody else's, it's, it is there. Put it in your bag, get it off the table. You don't need it. Surely you can have lunch or a half-hour meeting or a 45-minute meeting without having to look at your phone. Those of us who used to do business before cell phones came out, uh, yeah. somehow we all managed <laughs> Absolutely. to have you know, successful businesses yeah. without cell phones. So it is yeah. possible, folks. It is 100% possible, yeah. Now tell me about uh, like what exactly is Life Sorted? Okay, cool. Great question. It is a shared, essentially a shared family organizer app. So it is one place where the whole family can go to see their schedule, um, their to-do list, their shopping list, birthdays. We can chat. It's a place where we can connect everybody's schedule and everybody's diary um, in one place pretty much. So it's a, it's a desktop application. It's also a mobile app and a tablet app. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and this is different. For, like there's nothing really that, I mean, there's WhatsApp, but it's, 
it doesn't sound like it's anywhere near. No, it's not like that. It's, I really wanted something specific. So with being in tech, I thought that, you know, there must be a technology solution out there for this. And there are a couple of apps that are called family organizers, but what they didn't do for me, there was a few things that they didn't do. One, they weren't beautiful. And I, you know, coming from the hairdressing industry, I wanted an app that was beautiful to use, that looked gorgeous and that that kids with devices would want to use, right? So I didn't want it to look too, you know, I wanted it to look beautiful. I also found that with, there's a specific problems that families have that are different to individual people's and normal calendars. So if I, probably the best way to articulate it is through an example. So if you've got children that are going to a kid's birthday party, right? There's, there's the event, which is the birthday party, and you've got to put that in the calendar. Then there's um, a gift that you need to buy a week prior or three days prior or, you know, prior to me having the solution, I was running around like a mad thing in the morning of, of, of the day trying to get a gift for somebody. There may be, maybe there's a costume, you know, if it's a dress-up party, you need to organise a costume. And what I was finding was it's not necessarily just the event, it's all the things that um, are around the event, who's dropping off, who's picking up, who else is going with you to that party. So we've got a few, quite a few actually, um, uh, you know, um, features that aren't found in normal calendar apps like that linked to-dos to events. Um, the other thing is, you know, just the sharing nature of, you know, the fact that your life is made up of three sectors. You've got your personal life, things you want to do for yourself. You've got your family and then you've got your work or your business. And all of that needs to be in one place. I was going from a work diary to a paper family diary and I was having to check two or three different places to see whether the family was available to go to a barbecue or a dinner or something like that. So that was the motivation to create something that was central, that was all in one place. And that wasn't, um, I wasn't the guardian I wasn't the controller of everything that happened in the family because everybody can see it themselves. And I was really tired of continually talking about what was on the schedule next. You know, we would spend our dinner times talking about, okay, where are you going tomorrow? Who's dropping you there? Don't forget to pack your hockey stick. You know, and what are you doing? Da, da, da. And, then, you know, and that would be the dinner. And then we'd finish that conversation and everyone's left the table and that was it. And I, I felt ripped off. I felt like we weren't having quality time as a family so by being able to create events and things to do with events like what to pack and all of the reminders you need and all the rest of it you don't have to talk about that stuff so I just that's what I really wanted to achieve I wanted to remove the brain clutter get the rest of the family involved in our lives so we were working more as a team and not me the CEO of the family um, yeah, and so that's what we, I think we've achieved that no other calendar apps have been able to achieve. I think you brought up a very good point about being the CEO of the family. Yeah. That's something, I haven't heard that before, but I think that just sums it up perfectly because, you know, usually if there's, you know, two partners in the relationship, usually it's the woman who ends up being the planner and the organizer. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, and, or even if it's a single mom or a single dad, like they they still have to be the one in charge because the kids aren't going to be taking the lead role. And yeah. that's exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. And what happens is usually someone in the family does step up and take that role and the rest go, awesome. Mum's going to let me know 
you know, when tennis is cancelled and, you know, whatever it might be. So, yeah, so I think we've really been able to solve that. For me personally, once I got the app in and practised in my own family, the relief that came in my life and the space that it opened up in my brain was crazy. And that just got fueled me more to be able to do the things that are my priorities in life, which is, you know, develop my business and improve my personal development and spend time with my family in a way that I wanted to. Well, and I love how you, you've said there's the three parts, right? There's a, the first one being the personal, like what you want to achieve. Cause I feel like so often we, we tend to shunt that to the mm-hmm. side. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to focus on building my business or, oh, I'm going to focus on, you know, my family. And it, I, I think a lot of people put that personal development in the, in the background, like, oh, someday, or, you know, I don't have enough time or, or brain whip to think about yeah. this. So it just becomes something on the horizon that you eventually start to forget about. You never get to it. Absolutely. That is my, you probably noticed that I said that first because that is my number one priority is my own self-care. So making sure every week I have time for me and I have downtime because I know I'm the best version of best version of a business owner, the best version of a mum, and the best version of me if I prioritise that stuff first. Well, let's talk about the self-care because I know that's something that's become a bit of a, like a um, catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last year or so. And I think a lot of people still imagine, oh, I'm like lying in a bathtub with bubble baths and some soft music and a glass of rosé. But, <laughs> yeah. but self-care is really much more beyond that. I think what you said has t- really encompasses the importance of that, that you are the best version of yourself mm-hmm. when you practice self-care. Can mm-hmm. you... Uh, expand on that a little bit for us? Yeah, sure. Well, for me personally, um, self-care starts at 4.30 a.m. I get up at 4.30 a.m. four mornings a week and I get myself to the gym. And that is, some people think, oh my God, that's the worst thing in the world. But for me, I know that that is the best way for me to start the day. I'm back home before anybody's awake. I've had an hour to myself. You know, I go to F45, so listening to great music at the gym, having a chat with the guys that are there, and my energy levels just get raised instantly. I come home, I have a cup of tea, have my smoothie before the rest of the family wakes up. And that's the time where I maybe I might journal or I get out my life sorted out and just see what's happening for the day um, and what the family need, etc. So that's, I think, a morning routine is very, very important and you've got to fit some sort of self-care into that. I also always, um, on a Friday, I won't have any meetings is another thing that I do. So I only work two days on my business for Life Sorted and I always have. So I, on a Friday, I don't have any meetings. Very, very rarely will I have a meeting because I want to make sure that when I roll into the weekend, so come five o'clock Friday, I'm ready for my glass of champagne and I don't have all of this extra stuff with me feeling like I haven't done this, you know, I didn't achieve these things. I sort all of that out on a Friday and I, you know, delegate things to other people on my team or I, you know, reschedule them for next week so I'm not going into the weekend with any work or business baggage. And that way you're able to be 100% focused on what you're doing for the weekend. Yes, and I know I need that downtime, Larissa. I know that I am much more creative and productive if I don't work all weekend. (laughs) And I actually love what I do. And I could very, very easily work all weekend. And I could very easily do 12 and 16-hour days. But it is not good for me and it is not good for the business. So I know that the less I work, the more my business grows. 
This is how it works for me. And that's, I mean, which is the, the whole antithesis of what we are told by so many of these gurus about, oh, you've got to always be hustling and, you know, you can sleep when you're dead. Oh and my gosh. 20 hours a week, you know, crushing it. But yeah, maybe with your, when you're starting out with a business, you need to put more effort into it, but you can't sustain that. Mm. No I, I say to people that do that, I will, I will say to them, and how is that going for you? <laughs> how is that working for you? Because I don't really think anybody thinks, this is awesome, I'm working 20 hours a day. They just they feel that they have to do it, and unless they do that, they're not deserving of a business that's going to grow when the opposite is actually true. And why, let's delve into that for, for a minute. I mean, is, do you think, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but I mean, very much in, in North America, this whole concept of, you know, bootstraps, pick yourself up with the bootstraps and, and, you know, you've got to be working hard and, and, you know, hands to work, hands to hearts to work, hands to God, whatever that old Puritan um, saying is. And my theory is that because, you know, the U S was founded by the Puritans, there's very much that puritanical work ethic. And I don't know like in, in Europe though, I mean, they love long vacations. They oh, believe yes. in having these long family, you know, lingering dinners and is work is not on the altar the way yes. that is in North America. But what is it like in Australia? I think we are probably more like the US to be honest than yeah, I mean Europe is just incredible, isn't it? The siestas and the you know, that you, you can't talk to any we have a lot of customers in, in Europe and nobody will talk to you before nine thirty or ten in the morning because their mornings are very <laughs> precious. Um, I think we're probably uh, more like the US but I think it's starting to change and it just, it depends in what circles we, you know, we do what our parents told us to work hard. Our parents told us the harder you work, you know, the smarter you get, the luckier you get, all of those kind of things. And so, you, you know, you, we've got to start to unravel that. And I'm absolutely unraveling that with my children because I've got um, teenage children and I'm like, don't worry if you don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. You know, take your time, be interested. You know, if something interests you, spend a bit of time on it. And, and then if something else interests you, go check that out. And, you know, don't put pressure on yourself to work, 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 work. Um, but I, I do think in Australia that most of us in, in my generation were brought up to you get out of school, you get a job, you work hard, the harder you work, the more money you will make. And so it's a mindset. And I think it's a hard one for, for us to break out of because, um, you know, I was just talking to someone, uh, one of my clients right before we, we went into this meeting and she's a, a starting up her own business right now. And she's like, oh, you know, I'm, I've, been, I've been working so hard, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, closing the door and going out for dinner, but I'm, I'm feeling guilty about not working. And I'm like, but that's why we became entrepreneurs so that we can close the door and go have dinner with our friends and not worry. So we're not working 24 hours a day. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's something you need to practice and you need to change those limiting beliefs. And you need to look for evidence of the opposite. So what I mean by that is I know that if I, I think, oh, I've just got to get this you know, blog post written or I've got to get these three emails out or, or whatever it might be, 
And if I force myself to stop and go, do you know what? It's going to be there on Monday. What happens is your subconscious mind solves all of those problems. You come in Monday morning and you get it done in half the time than it would. And that to me provides me with another piece of evidence of why it was right to stop that and to come back to it later. So rather than looking for evidence of people that are, you know, or things where you're working hard and then you start to achieve, look for the evidence of the opposite. When, you know, when you stop and take a break or particularly we were talking before we came on here, one of the things that I do is I decide whether the thing that I'm going to do is a thing that I should do or should somebody else do it. I try to work in you know, what I call my zone of genius. So 20% of the things I need to do in the business generate 80% of the result. And the other 80%, I can outsource that and grow a team to do the things that, aren't, that are their zone of genius but not necessarily mine. So I think that's something to consider or think about. And I think that's a, for so many entrepreneurs, it's that sense of like, but I can't let go of this because, yeah. you know, either there is that lack of trust, um, that sense that I'm the only one that can accomplish all of this. Or if you're just starting out, it just maybe lack of funds. Totally. I all, yeah, you, you need to bring people into your business before you can afford them. Absolutely, because that will yeah, that, that will generate your growth. For example, I've got somebody that manages all of my social media. I've got somebody that works on my content strategy and an integrator for all the ideas. So I can focus on the product and the onboarding system and working with collaborations and other businesses. That's where I can make the most impact in my business. And if I'm stuck having to write you know, seven Facebook posts every week and seven Instagram posts every week and two blog posts every month and, you know, the how-to videos, I'm never going to grow the business. I'm going to have all of those things in a box and it'll be great, but it, they're, they're not the things that are get, going to get me in front of more families that need my app. So you've got to, I think, that you know, in a business, I see myself as the visionary role. So I meet with my team every week. I tell them the vision of what we're trying to achieve. And then I'm like, you've got to make that happen. And it mightn't be exactly the same as if I did it, but the things that they're working on are not the things that are detrimental to the success of the business. So how do you, what advice would you give to, to a fellow business owner about how to work with a team, how to give up the like loosen the reins so that you can focus on your 20% in that your zone of particular genius. Yeah. Because I, um, I think that's a real hard part for most, most business owners to, to give up. Is that hundred percent? I, with my team, my team of rock stars and we're all virtual, we're all over the world and we connect, you know, like this via zoom is you need somebody that gets your vision. So during the interviewing process, I mean, I've got a couple of VAs that are, you know, a few bucks an hour that work in the Philippines, but having Skype conversations with them, talking about your vision, my vision, and what I want for life sort and the problems that we're trying to solve and what's really important from a brand perspective and empathy and learning from our customers. If they, it, you, you know when somebody is on board with that or they just want the job, mm. right? And so we will spend, we have a weekly meeting where everybody's all on the call. We would spend half of that meeting not talking about work. 
getting to know each other, you know, you know, things that things maybe that I've a podcast that I've listened to on the weekend with some things that I wanted to share. One of the other guys has just gone to a Google event and he will tell us all about that. Um, you know, a content marketing strategist, she will tell us some things that she's seen other people doing in their business. And so wondering how we could relate that into what we're doing. And we get to know each other on a level where our visions become aligned for what we're trying to achieve. And then we spend the second half of the meeting going, okay, so what do we need to do this week? I really love that idea, like that idea, let's do that. And the other thing we do is we all look at each other's work. So, for example, if um, we, we prepare our social media for a month in advance and so my social media manager will create that, then the integrator will review that and then it will come to me for a final check. So the amount of work that I need to do on it is the least. So it goes through a couple of levels and everybody's on board with who I am because, interestingly, as part of our brand strategy is it's all about me. People like to connect with me as a founder, solving a problem, creating an app and a mum just like them. So it's very important that it does represent me 100% of the time and all the things we do. And it's impossible for me to do them all. I can't write all the emails. I can't write all the blogs. I can't do all the social media. I can't respond to every single support message. And, but I, when, I, when I do, all of my team can read all of the responses that I've written back. So if somebody says to me, hey, Joe, what's the difference between Google Calendar and Life Sorted? And I might jump in and respond to that. We save that response. The rest of the team has seen that response. And so they know that that's how we answer that question, you know. And when I'm bringing new people in and they start doing support, they will do a response to a, a, a question that one of our users has and then they'll just flag me to check it and I'll check it, tweak it slightly, and then out it will go and then they learn from that. So, yeah, that's kind of how I do it. Well, I think that uh, I love the idea how you, you're there, you're overseeing it, but you're not like move out of the way, give that to me, you know, you know, it, it's because then people have buy-in, right? Then they feel like they're connected, that they are part of the company and they have that loyalty. I, I'm assuming you probably have very low turnover. Very low. Yeah. I haven't lost anyone. Wow. And mm -hmm have this whole idea about creating these kinds of systems where you're giving the, your, you know, assistants the freedom to, to learn and then expand on their own. Is that something that you learned along the way starting with the, um, the software program with the salon? hundred percent. I think I learned it right back in the hairdressing salon when I was 16 is how to relate to people listen to them and bring out the best in them. So I had a team of hairdressers when I was, you know, 20. I had two salons by the time I was 23, you know, and then we moved into software. So I've always been a leader of people and I, my biggest, that is actually my biggest joy in life is to inspire people to grow their own, own life and their own journey and learn more and encourage them to follow their own dreams. So I, I think I found that easy because it comes naturally to me to want to lift people up. And if they're part of my team and supporting me, I want to lift them up even further. So with, with Life Sorted, were you getting feedback from some of like members of your team? Like how did you, what was the process of you actually creating this piece of software? Yeah, so, oh, it's so interesting. I wrote, yeah, uh, yeah. So about four years ago, when I couldn't find anything, and I thought I need to write 
this out. I wrote down the requirements of what it would be, you know, um, that, you know, the world's best organiser app for families was what I wrote. You know, it was like an essay that I wrote to myself. It would do this, it would do this, it would do this. So I wrote down all the requirements of what it would do. And then it pretty much sat in my drawer for two years. And but, but the idea kept bubbling away. And I talked to people and the universe provides you with um, signs, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And everywhere I was going, I was hearing conversations of people being stressed out or someone had forgotten to pick up a child from school or someone was sick of nagging their kids to always pack their hockey gear on Tuesday night, you know, and they were sick of talking about the schedule over dinner. And all of these things that I was experiencing, I was hearing conversations around me or, or I was talking to my friends about it and they were like, yes, I have that problem. How do we solve that? So it wasn't until I met my business partner. um, Well, I knew my business partner from working with him for 10 years prior, the best developer I'd ever known and worked with in the hairdressing industry. And I told him about my idea. And this was two years down the track. And he goes, oh, my gosh, I have exactly that same problem. I need that app, you know. And so we said, okay, let's create it. And I pulled out the requirements that I'd written down two years prior and I didn't have to change a thing. They were exactly the same. So the problems were still there. Nobody had solved it. It was two years down the track and I thought, okay, I'm going to invest X amount of money and I'm going to build this. And I'm 100% not attached to the outcome. If it doesn't work, it doesn't matter because I just know I need to do it and I will take joy in the process and I won't let it take over my life and this is how much time I'm going to dedicate to it and my business partner did the same thing, so he was on board with that. And so we just spent a couple of weekends whiteboarding and designing and then, you know, months and months of development and testing and backwards and forth. So it was just the two of us whilst we were in the creation phase. And then we launched to beta. So I decided that I wanted to provide it to free, free to anybody that wanted to jump on board because I wanted to learn what have we got right, what have we not got right. And it was incredible. I did one post in a, in an, in a Facebook group and it generated 800 signups in a 24-hour period. So wow. we went from having zero customers to having 800 free families that had joined up. And over a period of two months, no other marketing whatsoever, that turned into two and a half thousand families using the software for free, you know, and let me tell you, it had a few hairs on it in the early days. There was a few problems and we didn't expect that much growth. So we, you know, so then we um, used the feedback from the families that had jumped on board to refine the product and really get it right for market. So that took a few months. And then it was only a few months ago, about 10 months ago, that we um, had a subscription version of the app and that's when I started to build the team. And now we're, you know, we're in Australia and New Zealand only at the moment. But so you guys in the UK, Canada, you, um, UK, we are coming in the next two months. That's our next milestone is launching into the app stores globally. Any, any English-speaking country or anyone that wants to use it in English, it will be in the next couple of months. So, yeah, it wasn't really until we got past the beta phase. So we were still very much in it, um, just my business partner and I, until we went, okay, We've got, you know, this many hundreds or thousands of families using it. The feedback is great. They all said that they say that it would be worth this amount of money to them. You know, our pricing is um, very reasonable. And, yeah, so then we launched and we've just been growing. And since then, really focusing on that onboarding process because 
I can tell somebody about the family organizer app and what it's going to do and the problem it's going to solve. And the perceived value is very, very easy to understand. But actually there's a big leap between believing it's going to solve your problems and it actually solving your problems. So that's the, what I call the onboarding gap. And that's where I focus most of my energy is how do I get you from thinking that it's a great idea to it actually being fantastic for your family that you can't live without it. So that's where I spend my space. So tell us, so the, is the onboarding, like, so they purchased the app and they've come into it and then you um, have system to walk them through it or how yeah, does that I have a pretty elaborate system so what I when I talk about onboarding I'm talking about free trial to mm-hmm. to it working for them and then being happy to pay $5.99 or $59.90 $5.99 a month or $59.90 a year so it's super cheap so it's the process of going from free trial sounds like a good idea I'm going to sign up for a free trial no risk right to what do they need to do? What are the steps that they need to take and the journey they need to take to find value? And I've been working with a coach specifically on this space. And he says to me that it's like being a travel agent. And this is, I think this is true for any business actually. I can tell you about Disneyland and I can tell you that we're going to go on a holiday to Disneyland or I'm going to book a trip for you to go to Disneyland. And I can tell you from my perspective how fun it's going to be and I can get you excited. I can get you seeing yourself in Disneyland and having a great time with your family. But then I need to, I need to work out how to get you from thinking it's a great idea to actually being in Disneyland. So I need to tell you, I can say, you can go via LA and you can do it this way. You can get the jet in, you can, you can ride there, you can, you can stay at Disneyland or you can stay outside of Disneyland and travel in. You can do long days, you can do short days, all of the different varieties that would make Disneyland, you, you could get to Disneyland the way that would make sense for you. So I see myself as a travel agent of getting somebody to a place where they are feeling more in control of their family life, they're feeling organised, the communication within the family is a lot better, their husband is, is picking up the slack and doing some things, the kids are doing packing their bags without having to be nagged. I've got to work out how do I get you from wanting that to act that actually happening. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's during the, that trial process, are you sending like reminders to them? like? I know we have an automated um, email sequence system. So there's actually, there's four or five different sequences. And the very first one is to get them to that moment of first value. So that, that very first aha moment. And so for our app, uh, you know, you ha- you in- so when you sign up, you put in your family name, you put in your details, and then you add your family members and you put in their email addresses. And if they're big enough to have devices, they'll get an email that says, hey, you know, mum has set up this account for the family and wants you to join. So that's the first step. I need to get the family that have devices in because it doesn't work if the mum is just using it. It's the same as a paper diary. There's no transparency. It's being technology is no help. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing we work on. And to do that, we need to sell the benefits to the children and the partners and all the rest of it about why, why, you know, Joe wants you to join the Burgess family for these reasons and here's what's in it for you. You can sync your school calendar. You can make events private. You don't have to share them with the rest of the family. You can add things to the shopping list so you don't have to, you know, run out. My kids add things like toothpaste or toilet paper or whatever to the shopping list without having to text me or call me. So 
Yeah, so there's a, a bunch of um, emails that go out that are triggered based on where they are in that process. So I'm not going to nag you to get the family to join if they've already joined. I'm going to celebrate that they've joined. I'm going to go, okay, cool. So now the next thing is, do you want to sync your work calendar? Here's how you do that. Um, you know, I noticed you haven't used the to-do list yet. Here's a video on how that works. So it's quite an elaborate um, workflow depending on what the user has done and what we think the next logical step is to provide value for them because you can't do it all at once. It's, it's quite a sophisticated app. So I will say just start with the calendar. Just get, your, just get everyone's um, events in. And, you know, and I, a lot of people would message me, Larissa, and say, oh, I just can't get the family involved or my teenagers aren't interested or whatever else. So it was finding strategies and ways that we can support people because somebody has signed up for it because they want it to work for their family. And getting the rest of the people involved is, you know, is, can be tricky. So we've got to work on the different ways and the different types of families and, you know, work out what's best for them. And, it, and it's not for everybody. That's fine too. Well, uh, and I, I, I think what you said there about you know, it being a sophisticated piece of software and having a whole series of sequences, because I think a lot of the times we, we want to be like, here's all the information, here's all the things, look how great this is. And that can be like a tidal wave pummeling uh -huh. the, the client or the customer standing there on the beach. And then they get yeah. kind of like washed away by oh, see, no. see information. Every email that I send has one very small thing that I want them to do. I never say, and I see a lot of emails where people say, okay, so there's five things you need to do. You need to join the Facebook group. You need to do this. You need to do that. You know, no, one thing. All you need to do is this one thing today and then one more thing and small steps towards where they need to go. And never, ever, ever try and sell to somebody that hasn't reached that moment of value. So I know what that is. And I will never say to them, subscribe, 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 because there's no point. They haven't done what they need to do to experience that this is, you know, that it's solving their problems and they've got the value. So that's, that's, great. The, that's the, um, the whole difference between like hard selling and then the soft sell, or basically you're just kind of taking people along that path so that they come to their own conclusion and they're like, oh yeah, I really need this. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. Yes, there's, I mean, yeah, there's times to sell and there's times to just provide value. And that's where, we, that's where we start is our number one goal is to provide a tool that solves your problems. And then if it does, you can purchase it, you know? And I love that you just have this kind of non-attachment. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I, when people say it just didn't work for me and I'm like, that's cool. Uh, you know, I, I'm totally 100% fine with that. And I extend trials for people. So we've built stuff in learning during our onboarding. Um, you know, a lot of people will sign up for the app and then it's a 30 day free trial, but they just don't get back to it, you know, or they invited their husband and he didn't join and then they just forgot about it and they didn't have a conversation and dropped off. And so they get to the end of the trial and they haven't even been able to do anything yet so I'm like no problem we'll just extend the trial and give another go and yeah so I think people appreciate that appreciate our approach towards it it's not about trying to sell you an app it, if it doesn't work it's not worth it you know 
Yeah. No, I think I, I, you have a very human approach to, to uh, you know, automatic intelligence, <laughs> artificial intelligence, I guess. Yeah. Which is probably yeah. why you're so successful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we've just hit, we've just been a few months out and we've just hit 10,000 downloads. So it's really just the beginning, but it's, that's a great milestone that we've um, just achieved. So, yeah. And this is on uh, available, like as you said, right now in Australia and in New Zealand. Is that through mm-hmm. like Apple, like iTunes? Mm-hmm. Or- you can go to lifesorter.com and sign up from our website because it is a web app as well, or you'll find it in any of the app stores on your tablet or your phone. So um, the Google Play Store and the Apple Store. Yeah. And if people who aren't in uh, Australia or New Zealand are interested can they sign up for like a wait list or something yeah so we'll do that I'll provide a link I don't currently have that actually um, but I will create create a wait list so we can get everybody's details so we can email as soon as it's available expecting it to be within the next two months so we're almost there well I'm excited because uh, definitely <laughs> my family could really use some sorting that's for sure awesome <laughs> that's great well, Joe, thank you so very much. I know you, you've got uh, a lot of, you've got two successful businesses that you're juggling. I love how you leave space for your, yourself and your family. And, uh, you know, it sounds like you've got an incredible handle on not having to hustle and then really enjoying your life and your businesses and being fully present for whatever you're doing at that moment. I think there's a huge lesson in there for all of us um, to, yeah, just be fully committed to the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope it's helpful. Thank you so much. Well, let's thank you very much again for joining us here on Screw Screw the Hustle. And I look forward to um, getting my family sorted with allsorted.com. Awesome. Thank you.